Federal authorities last week revealed new details about the takedown of what's being called the largest global card fraud scheme in history, a case tethered to Heartland hacker Albert Gonzalez. Here, Ken Peretti, a former prosecutor with the Department of Justice who helped prosecute the now-convicted Gonzalez in the TJX and Heartland fraud cases, offers perspective about new indictments unsealed last week and the impact this takedown is expected to have on card fraud. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Kim, as I noted in the introduction, indictments against five alleged cyber thieves connected to Albert Gonzalez were unsealed last week in New Jersey, along with a separate indictment unsealed in Manhattan about a related card fraud scam. What new details do these indictments reveal about the breaches that you prosecuted? Thanks, Tracy. So at an initial matter, I just want to take a step back and, and say that this is really a masterful effort on behalf of U.S. law enforcement. Putting an indictment together of this nature with this number of victims, relating the victims through common malware and common connections to servers that were located across the globe on just about every different continent, gathering the evidence from the different countries that were involved, identifying these top-level elite carding hacking group individuals is really a colossal effort on behalf of U.S. law enforcement. So I wanted to start with that. And then as far as what these indictments reveal about the breaches that we've seen lately, I mean, it's really our first detailed insight into understanding more about the threat actors for this particular type of financial fraud. We've seen um, information about Gonzalez and his conspiracies, but back in 2009, Gonzalez was indicted along with two individuals, Hacker 1 and Hacker 2, that were really leading some of the intrusions that we had seen at that time, and now we have better insight into those individuals. So what it reveals is that these top elite carding hacking groups have deep knowledge about different types of systems, that they have a range of victims in this particular indictment from uh, electronic stock market to processors to airlines, banks, merchants, and not only in the United States, but also globally. So we've learned that they have an ability to target different types of entities and spend time and the time it takes to get access to those systems and uh, exploit information from those systems. And so, Kim, how much about the breach details outlined in these indictments was news to you? Well, some of the structure was familiar from the earlier indictments that we had seen as far as um, the different roles that individuals would play. You have the individuals that are responsible for compromising the systems, those responsible for exploiting the systems. Gonzalez had provided in the last round of indictment, had provided some of the infrastructure and the hacking platforms and his role has been replaced by another individual, and then you have the reseller. So the general structure of the group remains intact as far as dividing the roles and delegating using specialized skill sets. So some of that's familiar. Some things that came out through this indictment that weren't familiar before, we see one of the named defendants, Drinkman, responsible not only for compromising systems for the purpose of obtaining large volumes of card numbers, but also accessing certain processors to obtain a small number of prepaid cards and uh, exploit those through the ATM fraud. So typically we had seen different indictments brought for those two very separate types of activities, and now we're seeing at least one individual that has the skill set to be responsible for those different types of attacks. So seeing the range of capabilities that you see from the top-level hacking groups really sheds more light about our adversary. 
Now, as you've noted, Kim, these indictments do track the trail of a number of different types of attacks, including some that date back to 2005. Why has it taken investigators so long to put all of the pieces together? Well, and I'd like to say two things in that regard. Number one, they were putting the pieces together all along and bringing indictments all along, including several indictments of Albert Gonzalez and different related conspiracies. So they were developing the evidence along the way, and some of the U.S. domestic targets were indicted, arrested, and prosecuted. And now, as they've continued to pursue the case, they've been able to identify really the uh, top of the food chain and several significant players in the online underground world of carding. So um, it's a progression always. And if you look at the indictment where it talks about how they concealed their attacks, in some ways you might question how remarkable it is that they even were able to identify these individuals. They're using encrypted communications, concealed, where often defendants would be more public about their communications or at least on channels where law enforcement had an ability to gather some of that information. Here it was all encrypted behind the scenes. They used hacking platforms spread across the world where they would change locations frequently. They would erase the contents and they would work with an individual who would not provide that information even if requested to law enforcement. They also had very advanced techniques around disabling any logging. So a number of things in place that concealed their efforts, that removed any trace of their activity. So it's quite remarkable that they were even caught. Kim, how would you say the payments industry and cybercrime investigations have evolved since 2005 or even since the time that you helped with the prosecution of Albert Gonzalez? Well, as we've seen from this indictment, they've continued to pursue, they being U.S. law enforcement has continued to pursue these international global prosecutions where they have to rely on working with a number of agencies and countries outside the United States to gather the necessary evidence. Some of the victims are outside the United States, the witnesses are outside of the States, the targets, the criminals, uh, the evidence, and we've really seen a continuing trend to pursue reaching the, the top of the food chain or cutting off the snake at its head by pursuing these international global criminal investigations. What more do we need to know about financial fraud, or do we know more now than we did even two or three years ago? Well, I think there's additional incremental information that we can gather when we have more information about the threat actors and their motives, their types of attacks, and here, um, you know, just understanding more about the nature of their capabilities, the types of victims that they're after, the types of frauds that they perpetrate, whether it's large volumes of track data or smaller volumes of prepaid cards with PIN numbers. This this indictment allows us to piece a lot of that together to understand more in detail what the highest level of these carding organizations are really behind. And then, Kim, do you see these newest indictments serving as a deterrent for future cybercrimes? Absolutely. There certainly are a number of groups. The underground carding world is very prolific you know, with thousands of individuals worldwide, but when you have an indictment that shows that U.S. law enforcement can bring down and arrest, indict, identify the top of the food chain, the individuals who are responsible for some of the most sophisticated techniques and compromises that we've seen, it certainly has, at a a minimum, a level of general and special deterrence and will have an effect on the community. Now, whether that effect will result in carding websites and sort of a fewer number of cards being provided, 
uh, that sort of remains to be seen, but it should have an impact where these foreign criminals realize that U.S. law enforcement does have the ability to, to identify and capture them. So, Kim, what really needs to happen to truly deter these types of crimes? I think as an initial matter, law enforcement continuing to identify these foreign targets, indict them, whether they remain at large or not, or whether they continue to pursue them as they travel from less favorable countries to the United States from an extradition perspective to more favorable countries, and continue to show the foreign criminals that the U.S. law enforcement has the capability, the resources to go after the foreign targets and bring them to justice in the United States. And then, Kim, before we close, what can you tell us about payments fraud trends that you see unfolding? Where are fraudsters going? Well, what we've seen, if we want to talk about payment card fraud in the past five or so years, is we've seen a trend where these top groups have pushed down to other groups in Eastern Europe in particular who aren't as sophisticated, but they've pushed down techniques that are available to these less sophisticated groups that still allows them to remote access into systems such as point-of-sale systems and obtain card numbers. So we're seeing a push down from the big targets to smaller and mid-sized mom-and-pop stores, restaurants, food and beverage, where they're able to hit smaller targets, but over time gather a significant number of stolen cards to resell on the site. Kim, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Tracy. Appreciate the opportunity to speak to your members. Again, we've just heard from Kim Peretti, a Washington-based attorney. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.